and welcome to Map Bites, episode 52. I'm Elaine Charles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, Mike rants. Yes, you heard that correctly. Mike is ranting this time. And we hear from two Antipodean dwelling Macbiters, the lovely Rose with her Mac Love Bites and the lovely Jane with Ramgate 2, the Ram Returns, or maybe not. Yeah, there was a lot of reaction to your iTunes piece from the last episode, wasn't there? Absolutely. I got an overwhelming amount of feedback from MacBiters and it was all, sadly, horror stories with iTunes vouchers, uh, both purchasing problems and redeeming problems. So it was good to know that I wasn't alone, but not good to hear that a lot of people have problems. Um, If you do have problems, uh, each party seems to be blaming the other. That was a common thread with it. Uh, And the purchasing problems were people where the store didn't know that it needed to be activated. So again, just staff training problems, really. But um, yeah, absolutely lots and lots of feedback. So I'll put the link in the show notes to the blog post. So if you missed it last time, give it a read. And um, there should be offers shortly. Um, They're approximately every three months. So I think we had last time it was Argus and Morrison's. So usually the big supermarkets and uh, Clinton Cards is another one. So they'll probably come around again in September. So keep your eye out for those. Now, the major reason that we used vouchers, apart from the fact that when they're on offer, you do save a lot of money, was really to remove the credit card from our Apple accounts for security and to stop the random bank checkings of transactions of 69 pence, which cues you in nicely. It does, but uh, I think I'm going to call this a moan, not a rant. Oh, it's got to be a rant. Has it got to be a rant? I thought you were the queen of rants. Well, obviously I am, but I shall let you wear the crown for once today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, with the increase in credit card fraud, what we decided to do was uh, recently review our credit card strategy. We have a credit card strategy. A credit card strategy, yes. A credit card strategy. <laughs> Oh, my strategy is to spend as much money as possible, but carry on, yours may be different. We decided, what we decided to do was that um, it would be good to have a single card which we would use for online shopping. So um, that card could be associated with uh, all our various different accounts like um, Amazon and and so on and so forth. And we also associated it with other services that um, we pay monthly. Uh, things like Spotify, Sky TV, and uh, dare I say it this weekend, B Broadband. No, no, don't mention B this weekend. It's a dirty word in this house, isn't it? It is. Anyway, we wanted to have a, a relatively low limit, and that way, if the card or the service provider system was compromised, any would-be thief would have little um, spending power. Now, we sorted all that out and it's standard practice, isn't it, that a lot of companies, if you change the credit card, they will um, put a a small transaction on that card. It's usually 50p or a pound and then they refund it once you confirm you're the cardholder and B placed a charge of 50p. They would. So I got a text message from the credit card company uh, to say that they monitor the account and they noticed a purchase of 50p. Now I'm thinking it probably cost them more to send the text. Than... Amazing they didn't raise a hair over the 1600 <laughs> spent in the Apple store. Well, yes, that was another thing. But 50p from B and they're highly suspicious. Because it is actually the same company who did ring me up saying, "Um, can we just check these transactions from the Apple store? Mm. Uh, Anyway, this text, it said, please reply yes if you recognise the transaction or no if you don't. 
So I thought, you know, there's no harm in clicking yes, which I did. Well, I'd be interested in what would happen if you didn't. If you didn't reply, then mm. what would they do? Yeah, send another one. So you pretty much got to reply because it wasn't, if you recognise the transaction, don't reply at all. You had to reply with either yes or no. Yeah, now I click yes and I'm wondering from what I'm about to say next, if I click no, the same thing would have happened. The text was from 83838. So I responded yes, as I say, and thought nothing more of it um, until I got my mobile bill. Now, I never use my monthly allowance of call minutes. Uh, for people no who know us well, we were on 60 minutes, weren't we, a, a month until we got our iPhones. Yes, and I didn't use all of those. <laughs> no, I didn't. And, and um, I was useless with texts as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've found I'm using more and more texts now, now I've got the iPhone and I've got a QWERTY keyboard. But I never use my monthly allowance of call minutes and texts, so usually my bill is the same each month. Now, this month, it was 10p more. Ten, uh, uh, uh. ten whole p, yeah, um, and it was just just out of interest. I just wondered where it had come from, so I checked online, and I found that I'd been charged for my reply to MBNA. Now, at this point, I was blaming MBNA, but having done some research, I found that eight three eight three eight belongs to the MBNA texting service, and they don't charge for the service, but. Any charge could come from your mobile provider, which MBNA don't have any control over. But you can't text back from a landline. Yeah. So whether they have any control over it or not, they need a totally different system. They do. Because they said to you, text back yes if you recognise it and no if you don't. Not texting back wasn't an option. So it's a licence to print money. It is a licence to print money. I mean, I suppose... I do you now understand why the NatWest Bank do not have any kind of communication number, address or anything for me? You see, if they'd have rung me up, that would have... Well, actually, they could have probably reversed the charges now. <laughs> ah, but then you don't have to take it, do you? <laughs> That's true. Um forgotten what i was going to say now yes the uh so, so uh, the term shysters was probably involved it probably was um so yes i think the um the eh, eh of the week must go to o2 and not mbna for that yeah but uh, now hang on a minute if mbna hadn't asked you to do it then o2 wouldn't have been involved true i'm but, not prepared um, to let a banking company here get off scot-free i'll find them guilty of something <laughs> they must be guilty of something yeah well, at the end of the day i, I it was only 50p, but I think we've got to be glad for that service because I do know so many people who have been frauded, um, which is why any potential frauders out there, I do check my statements on a regular basis. Yes, but it worked out at 20% of the amount in question. I know. If you're going, to, if you know, all right, I take your point. There is fraud out there. If you're going to double check a transaction, don't make it for 50p. I totally agree. I that totally is ridiculous. Now, I mean, maybe they're thinking, I think they should know what that is because nobody in their right minds is going to use a credit card and, and buy something of 50 pence. A Mars bar is more expensive than that. I once, so I it once must used a credit card when I was a student at Wimpy. Oh, you would. Yes, but I'm saying at 50 pence, it probably was one of these just to check who you are charges. Mm. Yeah. So they, they probably know that. 
and they choose that one to, to bother you with. I mean, it's happened to... Well, actually, it hasn't happened to me because none of them have my phone number. This is why. But um, it, it's happened when I took my father to buy his iPhone and um, they started and that was it. First of all, he had to have an iTunes account and they, they checked that. Um, they were on the phone mithering over that and it was an automated system. Um, then they rang back when he bought some free items he rang back when he bought one at 59 pence this was all before he actually got his hands on the phone and um, i know it sounds ridiculous but <laughs> this is actually true my father's deaf and they wouldn't talk to anybody else so it was like some kind of farce as i'm stood in between them with them insisting they speak to him and he couldn't hear a word they were saying anyway so i'm listening to the call and, and sort of translating for him and then he's answering their questions it was ridiculous and all this before he actually bought the phone. Needless to say, when he did buy the phone later that afternoon, they started again and we we're in the middle of the Apple store and he had to go through all the questions again. And, you know, and I'm talking here, your mother's maiden name, this address, that address, date of birth, in the middle of the store and he can't hear them. Now, you're probably wondering why he's buying a phone if he can't hear. He, he's, he can hear a little bit in one ear and he uses a lot of texting. But that's not the point. I don't think asking the same... They were similar transactions to me. You, oh, you've opened an iTunes account, you've bought an app, and now you're buying a phone. They're all the same. If you've said yes, that was me to the first one, the odds are it's you to the second, third and fourth. But they, they didn't take that and we were there all day. So I have no patience with banks, none at all. They stand between me and my tech toys, I find. Have you finished now? Oh, oh, I got involved in the rant, didn't I? Yes. Oh, that's jolly good. Ah, back on form. Anyway, uh, catching up with the goings-on at Matt headquarters. It's been, oh, a peaceful and uneventful couple of months, hasn't it? <laughs> Not. Uh, now, Jenna and Kirshen on Twitter said they're waiting for an update of our adventures. So um, all I can say, ladies, is brace yourselves. Uh, what's been going on, Mike? First of all, there was the incident with the dog's paw. Hmm. He's a bit of an adventurous dog, isn't he? He certainly is. And anyway, I'm not blaming him, I'm blaming you. He can't be expected to look where he's going, but you should look where he's going. Yes, he was he, he was involved in an incident with a bee or a wasp, one or the other. Yes, he stood on it, which meant he returned home from his walk pretty much in the guise of Hopalong Cassidy. So you you come screaming in with the dog can't stand up and he's literally on three legs pitifully holding his paw in the air doing his full sympathy bit so i dive on google have to do some research about bee stings no idea if it's a vet job um ew, there's no such a thing as too much information i find because i found that bee stings or wasp stings in dogs can actually be fatal so what you need to do is start bathing it well i actually mentioned this the other day didn't i i think our dog is the only dog who doesn't like water i think you're right yeah we, we go to sort of beaches we take him uh, up the coast and there's all these dogs rushing about playing ball and, and diving in the water and maya just stands there and he does he's not interested is he he does not like water he just barks at the water hoping it'll go away well it does you see this is the thing the water complies with him he barks and as the waves go out he thinks he's winning so when the waves come back in he starts again it's not good. But no, he doesn't like water. And uh, what it said was you had to bathe the, this sting, which was on the bottom of one of his pads. Yes, you vacated at this point, I seem to recall. I did. I think I did the right thing. Oh, you did. Yes, because the carpet, the walls, my clothes, my mother's clothes, the ceiling, the, the, the soft furnishings, yes, pretty much everything was sopping wet. 
And all this from one bowl of water. Eventually, we managed to um, bathe it. Then you had to uh, extract said bee sting. That was fun. Not. And then finally he settled down and um, after about four or five hours he'd calmed down sufficiently. But you wouldn't believe it was so dangerous. It's dangerous out there, people. So uh, I'm thinking treadmill. Virtual reality goggles for him. What little, do you think? Little doggy booties. And little doggy boots. Yeah, we did try putting clothes on him when he was much younger. He wouldn't leave the house, would he? No. <laughs> He's a very sensible dog. So that was the incident with the dog. That was closely followed by... Me virtually having to bail you out of Aldi's. Oh yes, last week I went I went shopping in Aldi's um, for my weekly shopping, um, and on my way out, um, the manager was stood there and he said, um, "Excuse me, sir, we're doing spot checks on um, on bags. Do you mind if I search your bag?" Now this wasn't um, the, my shopping. This was actually my work bag with all my tech in it. So I just said, "Yeah." Because yeah, I've got nothing to hide, and um, you can't really say no because then you look suspicious. Um, it's a bit like when I got pulled out of a queue at um, Canada Airport. I think I must look like a terrorist or something. Yeah, I think you must look incredibly guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you look furtive. Yeah. Um, anyway. I think people would need to know who aren't British that Aldi's a, a very sort of cheap supermarket, isn't it? Its reputation is being good value. So. It's quite funny that, you know, whatever if you're going in there buying stuff, I can't imagine it, but it would actually be worth stealing. No, I think what was in my tech bag was actually worth more than the whole stock in the shop, actually. I just found that completely bizarre because there's, especially after the riots, there's all this um, issue of do the police have the right to stop you and should they be allowed to stop you? And the next minute it's like, well, whether the police can or not is irrelevant, but, uh, you know, if you want a tin of beans, you're going to be frisked on the way out. Ah, oh, democracy, when did it die? So and, my, incidentally... I have my two iPads, I have my iPhone, I have my, um, my MacBook and a load of other stuff in there. So you definitely looked furtive then? Yes. Mm. Yes, but the incident was um, caused, really, by um, leaving me to my own devices. This was what, what started it all. It left me to my own devices to feed myself. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? So um, I opted for the simple approach. It's sort of... Um, Oh, the more mature pot noodle approach, I'd call it. It was a tin of fruit. I could manage a tin of fruit. Or I thought I could manage a tin of fruit. It, I didn't even need a tin opener. It was one of those ring pull ones. Couldn't go wrong. Apart from on the top of it, uh, and this had been bought the week before, hadn't it? You assured me it was bought only seven days before. It was. On the top of it, there was an expiry date. September. Not a problem. It was still August. Yes, September 2010. So I accused you of trying to poison me. Mm, but it wasn't my fault. No, you got the blame, but it was actually Aldi's. So um, I didn't get any food that day. And then I did blame you. I can't be left to my own devices, you know. We know. No, it's just not good enough. But both of those paled into insignificance when it came to the laptop. I am the god of hellfire. And I bring you... Lenovo Laptop. Oh, yes, this one was indeed a classic. Mike had come home from work and um, got himself sorted and taken the dog out. So I'm sat in my office, finishing off for the day, and there was a beeping noise. Now, obviously, in my office, that's not unusual. There's lots of things make lots of noises. I do try to shut them up. My Mac makes no noise at all. But there was this beeping noise, but it was intermittent. So I thought, oh, the battery's going in something. So I'm checking smoke alarms and I'm wandering around checking hard drives and other machines and you name it, I checked it. 
And then the beeping would stop and then it would start again and I'd get up again and I'd be walking around. And in the end, I thought, this isn't any of my kit as I'm listening to the, the to the tone of it. Now, I must admit, I do have a bit of a history with things beeping. I had a kitchen timer at one point. Obviously, it was used in the office, not the kitchen, <laughs> obviously. But the batteries had run down and it was squeaking like a canary, but it was in a drawer. So we were all over for about a week trying to sort that out. But this one was much louder and it was sort of reaching a crescendo. In fact, it sounded as though something was having a cardiac arrest. So I'm looking around and I came to the conclusion it was nothing of mine. So I wandered over to Mike's area, had a look around there. Nothing there making a noise either. And then I thought, I wonder if he's brought that work laptop home with him. So I rang you on your walk, didn't I? Mm. Mm. And you told me you had what in your bag? My Lenovo laptop. And uh, what was that? Yeah, an IBM ThinkPad as was before they were bought out. Oh yes, it thinks about doing something and then thinks better of it. So I said, have you got anything in your bag that could possibly be making a, a, an increasingly <laughs> loud whining noise? Only my work laptop, you said, but I turned that off before I left, you said. Yes, I did. So I sought permission to um, investigate your bag. You see, I asked permission. Aldi's don't. I did. Gets inside it, unzips it, actually, to um, smoke billowing out of it. Mm, your definition of turned off and mine clearly aren't the same. I did turn it off. It just blew screen of death on its way out. And then automatically turned itself back on. Yeah. Fabulous. Mm, fabulous. No, it was. It was It was absolutely red hot. I've never felt the computer that hot. It was so hot that as you were touching the battery at the back, which has some kind of like rubberized thing on it, um, you were leaving finger marks and your skin was coming off on it. So I literally had to throw the phone down and, and get this thing out and it wouldn't turn off. So what had happened was it, it had obviously turned itself back on. It was at the blue screen and it was saying it was writing some kind of memory dump to assist with recovery. At that stage, I was thinking possibly a hammer to the thing was all the recovery it was going to get and it would not turn off. So what had happened was the fans had come on to try and cool it down. And obviously in the confines of a bag, all that had done was generate hot air. So thank you for that, Pyro. Now you're talking to me. Obviously. <laughs> Any time, I'll do it again. Not. It had cooled down a little bit by the time you got back, but it wasn't cold, was it? No. And neither was the bag. No. Ah, oh, it all happens here. Anyway, uh, you get to see, as promised, an, uh, an exclusive behind-the-scenes peek at MacBytes headquarters. Uh, obviously not with the pyrotechnics, I'm, I'm afraid. No, it's a couple of pictures of my studio. We start, we're going to start off with my studio, uh, which is where I record MacBytes and other projects. Ooh, teaser there, teaser. I also deliver webinars in this particular area, uh, online training, do some voiceover work on the videos that I do. It's not my primary work area, but that actually works well. So uh, that is an exclusive in the MacBytes mail newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, it's not too late. Second batch will go out on Thursday. This has been released on Monday. Um, so if you are subscribed, you'll already be looking at it. I shall wave. Uh, and if not, then if you want to subscribe, second batch goes on Thursday. So we're all caught up now, aren't we? I think we That's are. That's it. Yeah, been pretty quiet in the Apple world since our absence, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, unless you count Final Cut, Lion, Evernote bought Skitch, uh, Microsoft released Office 365, 
Firefox 5, 6, 7 and probably by the time this is released, 8, 9 and 10 have been released. The App Store prices were increased. Oh, and HP cancelled WebOS. Was there anything else? No, that was no, it. No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. There was one more thing. Steve Jobs retired. That was the big news of the week, wasn't it? It was. I was in bed at the time. Oh, you were, yes, you were, weren't you? Mm. But I did my tech duty and woke you up. Yes. Well, it was only about 10, 10 to midnight, something like that, UK time. So I deemed it. I thought I could, I could let him sleep. Not like the time you woke me up at three o'clock to tell me that they delayed Snow Leopard. Or did Leopard. I do that? Yes, it you did. It sounds like something I'd do. Yes, you did. Mm, you're right. Well, I deemed it necessary. I thought about not telling you and then I thought, well, you're never going to catch up with your Twitter feed in the morning. So I did the tech geeky honourable thing and woke you up. And what did you do? Get out of bed and started tweeting. Brilliant. <laughs> so we've got to say thank you, Steve. Yes, I wish you well you, in your retirement. Uh, and also while we've been away, uh, Google launched Google+. Plus. <laughs> yes, not for apps accounts. Thanks for that, Google. But there again, I decided in the end, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it'll be dead within the week, knowing Google. In fact, they've actually killed something else off. A uh, good service called Photovine launched only about 10 days ago. Uh, and they, it's virtually closing. Uh, it's from a company called Slide that they bought the technology of. Um, and it's going. So they're trying to save it, but Google won't be saving it from what I've read. So brilliant. But talking Google, hell did freeze over and they improved the UI, which I think is an improvement. It was long overdue. Again, it did not roll out to apps account customers. And my Google account is an apps account straight away. In fact, it's been quite a while. I checked just before we recorded and my mail account has been updated, but my calendar hasn't. And you can't find the option at all, can no, you? No, neither of mine have been updated. Mm. This is a problem with Google. They roll something out and then all you end up with is even more of a mess because half of it's there and half of it isn't. You haven't even got the option despite enabling it. So there's something just not working correctly somewhere. But I've got a bigger bone to pick with Google. They've stolen our love bites. Yes, I couldn't believe it either. They've created a portal where they ask you a single question, which is, what do you love? Ask Google. We had that first. But don't diss it because I tried it. I put in Elaine Giles. In fact, I'm going to go there right now. What do you really? love? Elaine Giles. Now, what oh. I'll also explain here is the site is wdyl.com. What do you love? That, <laughs> looks, that looks like Widdle. Yes, what did you say? What's Widdle.com? <laughs> well... Whittle has a totally different meaning at Matt Spite's headquarters. It involves the dog and what he does to the vet's filing cabinet. It does. Yes, the, he doesn't like the vet. So let me get back to this. What do you love? Elaine Giles, click the little heart button, which is like the go, and it comes up and you get um, measure the popularity of Elaine Giles on the web, find books about Elaine Giles, explore what? Elaine Giles in 3D. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is getting frightening. Of Elaine Charles. Alert me about Elaine Charles. Organise a debate about Elaine Charles. Find Elaine Charles nearby. Find patents about Elaine Charles. Call someone about Elaine Charles. 
Access Elaine Giles stuff on the web faster. Email someone about Elaine Giles. Start an Elaine Giles discussion group. Scour the earth for Elaine Giles. <laughs> Latest news about Elaine Giles. Search Elaine Giles on the move. Plan your Elaine Giles events. Search Elaine Giles blogs. Now, when I find that, it does come up with your stuff. Oh, I'm glad about that. See pictures of Elaine Giles. There's no pictures of you on there, dear. Actually, I've got the page up now and I'm just looking at it. And you're right. These people are imposters. They are indeed not me. There is a picture of me, though. It's on my blog and they've managed to miss it. Actually, the rest of this page is quite creepy. Have you seen all the titles on it? I have. The one that concerns me most is <laughs> down the bottom on mine. Um, they're in little blocks. And like you say, they've got all sorts of titles on them. And there's one that says, plan your Elaine Giles events. OK, so far. But underneath that, there's a calendar. And there's an hour marked out and it says date with Elaine Giles in it. Mm, that's the I'm, one I'm, I've booked. This is creepy. It's just creepy. Yeah, but the thing is, if whatever search words you put in, it just does the same thing. I mean, I put Maya and I put Samoid, and it just says, you know, find pictures of Samoid, plan your date with Samoid, etc., etc. So it's, it's just very taking picky who he goes on a date with. It's just it's just taking the search word and substituting. Yes, it I know, like but it's still it's still creepy, isn't it? It's creepy. We had somebody come to the door and they, they wanted us to change energy companies, change electrical, you know, electric supplier. Um, and it, 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 they, nev they don't say, change your electric supplier. Oh, no. They start playing on you and lying to you. Because if they're not lying to you, then they've breached the Data Protection Act. Because what this guy said was, um, doing a survey about energy costs... I thought, no, you're not. You want me to change energy company because he had a badge on from the other energy company, the one we're not with. So I said, I'm not interested. So he said, well, it's a survey. And um, so I said, I'm not changing energy company. And he came back at me and he said, but your energy bills are higher than everybody else in the street. Now, how could he possibly know that? But if he says that to you and you're in any way unsure, obviously <laughs> he picked the wrong woman here. But if you're any way unsure, you you would do a double take and you would think, is it? Well, does he know that? And this is that kind of thing. It's creepy. I find that really creepy. Searching for somebody is one thing, but this kind of thing. I mean, it says watch videos of Elaine Giles and that's not me. It's some woman in, in, a, in an orange leotard. I should sue here. I should sue. <laughs> oh, dear. No, I'm leaving that alone now. I, Google, you're going down in my expectations. Please don't do that. Uh, anyway, let's move on from Google. Let's leave them alone. Leave them alone. Yes, yeah, something else that happened when we were away was Final Cut Pro 10 getting a somewhat lukewarm reception. Probably putting that mildly. Uh, there was daily doses of vitriol poured scorn upon it until Lion was released. And if anybody noticed... Not a word since. It's like Antenna Gate rides again. Seems to me people want to provoke a reaction and then move on. As soon as they get the reaction, they move on. You know, if your phone was dropping calls the day before Steve stood up, they were probably dropping calls the day after. But no one was talking about it. And I feel Final Cut was a bit the same. I thought it was never going to die because there was about... Came out the 20-something of June... And then Lion came out on the 20th of July. So it was almost a month of, you know, it's rubbish, it's rubbish, it's rubbish. And then it just totally died a death. I've heard not a word since of you. 
I've heard nothing, no. Mm. I've used it a little bit and I like it. I can only assume that, that Lion coming out, Lion was worse than Final Cut. I <laughs> started moaning about that. <laughs> now, you've used the old Final Cut, haven't you? The Final Cut Studio. Yes, I, I have used it for years. Yeah. How how does how do you find it compares? Because I, I don't think I used the, the old one, certainly not in any anger. Did you ever consider not upgrading and staying with the old one? Not upgrading? Not upgrading. New software out and not buying it. Uh, no, can honestly say that never entered my head. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I knew I'd buy it. Um, I expected it to be a learning curve. I expected it to be incredibly different. It is. If I've got projects that are in the old version, I can't import them because there's no import. But what I, I've started new projects in Final Cut Pro 10. Um, I've had no problem with it at all. I think it's very, very capable. Obviously, for the uber, uber, uber power users who need to import stuff. But being honest, I, I probably wouldn't do that. If I'd started a project in one application, I'd probably finish it in that application. But I have started new projects in it. I'm actually one of... One of the projects I had, I'd actually tried in Final Cut Pro 7 and I had two, about, about three hours in total of HD video to import and Final Cut Pro 7 was just failing on me. It, it just couldn't do it. It had video and I had picture, uh, but I didn't have sound. I had sound, but then I didn't have video and I tried oh, seven ways from Sunday to try and get this stuff in. And it was one of these projects that wasn't sort of urgent. So I put it on one side and thought, I'm going to have to think about that. I was thinking I'd have to run it through some conversion software before I even got it as far as Final Cut Pro 7. So just on a whim when with Final Cut Pro 10, I thought I'll just try some of that video and, and see you know, how badly it mangles it. And it didn't. It completely just accepted it as it was. And I thought, whoa. So I could actually get you know, th over three hours of HD video straight into it. Didn't have to worry about the audio and the video settings. It just accepted the lot. And I set about cutting the project. So the client was very happy. Ended up with a two hour 35 HD video extravaganza, all done in Final Cut Pro 10. So not a problem for me. And is that the only project you've done or have you got something else that you could share with the listeners? Oh, you know, you know, don't you? You know there's something. I do. I think I'm at the point I could probably share this with the MacBiters. Yes, uh, I'm undergoing a complete reorganisation of my business, which sounds odd given how much uh, I'm into tech, but I'm actually taking more of what I do online. Most of what I do traditionally has been face-to-face -face with clients, but I'm actually going to, to be taking much more of it online. I already do webinars, most MacBiters know that, so there's going to be more of those. In fact, I've been doing those in the last couple of weeks and they've been going very well, but um, I'm also putting videos from the webinars onto a new site that I've created called From the Studio. So, um, the first set of videos that are going up are from an event that we mentioned on the, on the last Mac Bytes, which was Showcase Your Images. Um, so I, what I've done is I've taken videos from the webinar, just cut them up so they're in individual you know, examples and put them on the site. So uh, I'll put a link to that. And drum roll, please. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I have a new podcast. Yes. 
a new podcast. It's business skills related. So um, at the moment, presentation skills, that's one of the areas that I specialise in. This will all be new to the MacBiters, you see. Mm. Yes, they don't they don't know about my professional life. The other side to me, the serious side. Yes, I um, teach people presentation skills, show them how to uh, improve in terms of the actual slides they create and also in delivery. So um, if you use Keynote or PowerPoint to make and or deliver presentations, then check out this new show. It's called Slide IQ. And um, I've actually got plenty more exciting projects coming up. I'll be able to share more soon. So case of watch this space. And a shameful lion admission. I revealed all in a blog post. Really? Behave. Although there was that blog post from iPad 2 Day, which included the photo of me that Google couldn't find. <laughs> really? I'll warn the web host to expect extra traffic. I wouldn't go that far, but then again, you never know. Yes, my shameful lion admission is that I did download it in immediately. Uh, I don't think actually the page had, had completely rendered itself when I downloaded it, but um, it was on a secondary machine. There were just too many things that I rely on that weren't 100% compatible. So for the first time since I got a Mac, I did not install the new operating system on my main Mac. And worse than that, that was on the day of release, worse than that, five weeks on, it's still not on my main Mac. Now that's shameful, isn't it? Shameful. Um, for you, yes. <laughs> well, some of the stuff that I rely on, that you know, it, it was sort of working and sort of not working, and that's the worst case, really, because if something isn't working, that and they're working on it, so that they will release a compatible version, then that's not too bad. You know, it's not working. But if something's half working, then you're not sure whether what you're experiencing is one of the things that isn't working or whether it's something unique to you. So some of the stuff was Audio Hijack Pro, uh, Airfoil, Adobe Acrobat Connect, needless to say, um, which I need for my work. So I can't not really have that working. Um, the Adobe Creative Suite, <laughs> there's a surprise, not. And again, five weeks on, not an update in sight. So I don't know what's happening with that, whether they will ever update it. You'd think so, but five weeks is a long time. Uh, initially, on the day Lion was released, there, there was also, and I, I remembered having, I'd had this conversation with you, and there were two things in particular I'd mentioned. And I said, it's getting to the point where you cannot rely on certain applications that are no longer supported because they have not been supported for such a length of time. They're going to stop working eventually. I did not expect that it would probably be the next day, and I was referring to Visual Hub. I didn't even think about Audio Hub, but both of them broke on Lion. Luckily, um, he's come out of retirement, the developer, and actually put out a fix for them, so they're back again. But as he said, he's you know he's not going to come back and do this every time, and this is it. That's the last update. But I still can't find anything as good as Visual Hub, um, either with as wide-ranging options as Visual Hub has or as, as fast and as good quality as Visual Hub. So having gone through that, I'm thinking I really do need to. And I've looked around and there, there still isn't something. So they're back working again, but the other stuff, quite a lot of it still isn't. And the symptoms are horrible because the, the machine I did put Lion on had Connect on it. And it's working fine. It's working absolutely perfectly. I can not only attend events, but I can present events and share my desktop. In which case, it looks like if it was already there and you install Lion over the top of it, it will still work. But that precludes doing a clean install. 
because when we tried to put Connect on a machine that didn't have it on in the Snow Leopard install, and then we put Lion on, and then we tried to put Connect on, it was a horrible experience, wasn't it? It was. It, I think it just um, it froze, didn't it? Well, it looked like it had frozen, but what the actual problem was, in the browser, you go to, to the room and it says, would you like to install the Connect add-on? And that's the bit where if you're presenting, you have to say yes. So we tried, we attempted to click yes, and it just won't let you click the yes button. Incidentally, it won't let you click the no one either. So you're at this, this window, you know, you're, you're at a page in your browser and you can't click yes or no. So you're stuck at that point. Now, I have a way, because Connect is very strange. It it has a way of uninstalling itself, just to add to the fun. So sometimes when, when you're delivering a webinar, you can't share your screen if you don't have the Connect add-in. So at least two hours before, I mean, I've done this the night before and everything's fine. And then if I try logging in with 15 minutes to go and the Connect add-in isn't installed, I've got to go through this manual process. So to be honest, I do try to log in very early and make sure everything's okay because the only way, if Connect, the, the Connect add-in has been installed, but it has corrupted itself, you can't then reinstall it with a nice dialog box that says, oh, would you like to install the Connect add-in? Because it thinks it's still there. So it won't prompt you. No matter what you do, it won't prompt you. So you either have to manually uninstall it or manually have an installer that you manually install. And it's it's an awful process. You have to go around three or four different folders, taking things away and actually putting the pieces in the right places. So I thought with this, well, if I can't click yes and I can't click no, I'll install it manually. So I closed all the browsers and I went through this horrible manual install and it was installed exactly the same as it is on every other machine and it still didn't work. It wasn't recognising it was there. So instead of just going into the meeting, letting me share the screen, it didn't do any of that. It just sat there saying, this isn't installed. Would you like to install it? Yes, no. And you can't say yes or no. So that really is a big showstopper. Even if I had it installed to start with and I installed Lion over the top, if it got to the point where it corrupted itself and I had to manually reinstall, it might not work. So I can't rely on it, which is sad, really. It is. Um, I did the same with my laptop. I decided not to upgrade um, the my 17-inch MacBook Pro for similar reasons to you. Uh, but I decided to put it on my 13-inch white MacBook because... At the very minimum, I needed to have it installed just to, to be able to look at it and, and talk about it. Uh, and once I'd installed it, um, I didn't like the ghostly interface, as we've called it, the the lack of colour. on. It's uh, getting on my nerves, yeah, that. On, and on the, the more applications that come out and have adopted the lion look. Evernote this week. Yes, they're all the same. Mm. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. I know, um, I think Jane said, didn't she, she wasn't upgrading this week mm. to Evernote. Uh, the other thing that I can't get used to, I probably would if I used it on a regular basis, is the drives being on the bottom on the sidebar. I, I do prefer the drives at the top, I must admit. I, like you say, I could probably get used to it, but I really appreciate the ability to, to put stuff where I want to put it. Mm. It reminded me, actually, when I saw that, and I thought, Oh, that, that's a silly thing to do. I know why they've done it. They're trying to get you away from thinking of storage as yeah. a hard drive. So I understand that. But 
actually something very similar happened to me and I was just as lost. I had to boot Windows. Yes, it's been a while. March was the last time. Uh, but I needed I needed PowerPoint you know, for Windows. So I had to boot this Windows machine and all I wanted to do, I thought it was incredibly simple, was take a folder full of... Uh, are they still called shortcuts? Yeah. No, right. a folder full of shortcuts and put them on that bar thing at the bottom. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because when I looked at the path that I had in Windows Explorer, I couldn't actually get to the folder I would need to have got to to drag and drop the folder down below. So after about 20 minutes, I just gave up. I thought, this is ridiculous. It shouldn't be this hard. And I only really needed to put the folder at the bottom, as you pointed out. What are you doing that for? You wouldn't do it on a Mac. No, but on a Mac, I've got Launch Bar. And I was trying Launch Bar in Windows and sadly, it didn't work. Now, I know I could probably get it working if I, if I put all the hooks from, uh, I'm using Fusion, so you can get Fusion, you can get Launch Bar, I think, to see the apps by some settings, but I like my Windows all locked away in a nice safe sandbox, so I deliberately don't do that, and you know, just, just to take a folder and move it, I couldn't do it, and I'm thinking that, you know, eventually, what, what if the next time there's no drive shown at all? What if we just have documents and music? Scary. It would drive me mad, that. Mm. I like to have my own drives and I like to back up to things and, and I like them at the top, but no, they're at the bottom. No, I wasn't impressed with that. But you had bigger trouble, didn't you? Yeah. Um, before I get to that, though, the, the two of the features that Apple were touting as, as major features, I had a quick look and I turned them off. There was a launch pad. And I thought, you know, first of all, I don't want all the icons on my screen unless it's going to be a touch screen. And obviously it isn't. So, you know, that went turned off. Our mission control. Quick look at that. See what it is. Turn it off. The th no, the thing that I was looking forward to using was AirDrop. And uh, try as we might, we just couldn't find it. And after doing some Googling, apparently it needs a more modern Wi-Fi card than is in my laptop. Yeah, I've also heard it's not as fast as it could be because it's creating an ad hoc network. So uh, it's working on mine, uh, which is an iMac, 2009 iMac. But because we've only got the two machines with Lion on, might as well not be. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's only the, it, it's there talking to itself. But I did like you did. Um, Launchpad would be fabulous on a touchscreen MacBook Air. I can see that's the way it's going, but, you know, on a 27-inch iMac, it makes no sense whatsoever. So I also turn those off. But I didn't want to be left out completely. So here was a way that I found myself. Um, it felt like I was using a completely new operating system by lionising my snow leopard. And I did that with scroll reverser. And I thought, you know, everybody else was talking about, oh, shall I turn it on? Shall I turn it off? And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to reverse the scroll on my Snow Leopard install and see how it goes. And it was hard. It was hard for about a week. Um, I know the logic of it. Think of the way you're moving whatever it is you're moving. You know, it, it's, it's what, what do they call it? Natural. Mm, yeah, not for me, it wasn't. I did get there in the end, though. So I'm incredibly grateful for Scroll Reverser. Um, and then it got even better because uh, changes were made and you could, you could, it gave you much, a very granular level of control. I was also very grateful for Better Touch Tool because there are a lot more gestures uh, in Lion. So obviously it's a, it's a bit more manual, but there are going to be people who have machines that can't take Lion. 
our very first Mac has reached the end of its useful life because it can't now be upgraded. Uh, it was a 2006, early 2006 iMac, so it can't take Lion. Um, so to be able to put the Better Touch tool on it and the scroll reverser, because otherwise you'd be stuck with one machine that was odd and that would scroll the other way. So they were really useful. I'm not using the full screen, but I am using Moom full screen. I prefer the Moom full screen. We talked about Moom in one of the last couple of episodes. Um, it is a window manager. And one of the options is that it will, it hovers on the, on the when you hover over the, the green button, it will give you full screen, but not full screen like Lion full screen. It just takes the window and, and fills the screen with it. But you, you are still left with your menu bar, which actually I prefer. When it goes into this full screen mode and everything else is hidden, my problem is it only uses one monitor. So it's useless. So I actually prefer what I've called Moom full screen and that's what I'm using that for. The global autocorrect I've sort of got with Typinator, so that wasn't a big deal. I don't know if you even noticed that. No, I didn't. Yeah, well, it's there, but... Uh, so if something weird autocorrects, that's probably what's happening. So that's probably another one on your turn-it-off candidate list. I would think so. Uh, and, of course, Drop Copy Pro, which we've used for ages instead of AirDrop because it works on older machines. I think it probably works just as well. We only have it running on two machines. So all we have to do, um, it creates an icon on your desktop and you don't even have to open the finder window. It's just an icon on your desktop and it, it looks like a black hole. So if you've got the default wallpaper, it looks just like a door to another galaxy. Very nicely put together. Uh, we use that all the time. So I would probably carry on using that instead of drop, uh, AirDrop because you've got to go and find AirDrop and then you've got to go and make sure the machine's there and it's only Lion machines. So I'm going to probably carry on using Drop Copy. I'm imagining you are. I'll have no choice if you are. <laughs> well, not unless you want to upgrade your, your old laptop. No, I, I do prefer Drop Copy Pro. So nice addition if you can use it, but no, not, not for me. And I'm still clinging to my colour. So uh, Pathfinder has a little bit of colour. In fact, Pathfinder is a little bit odd now. It has colours for the drives and it has colours for the remote machines, but it, it the local folders like documents and music are all grey. It, it looks odd and it, it, it gives you a good comparison when you're looking at it on a Lion machine that the colour looks better. Whoever thought the colour didn't look better, you're mad. The colour looks better. Please put it back. So I'm using that at the moment because I have different icons on my drives and I, I used a, a I, I, you don't realize how much you use color to navigate until it's gone and then it's horrible so it was the same as itunes wasn't it yeah well we we knew it was coming because we yeah. saw it go in itunes and i felt the same with itunes i mean the different types of playlists had two different icons and it made total sense and i know they might still have two different icons but they're so tiny and they're so gray they're useless in terms of differentiating between them. I, I really don't see that as a benefit. I really don't. And you had problems as well when you upgraded uh, your Safari, didn't you? I did. Every time I went into Safari, it came up and it said that Saft uh, was not going to be loaded because it was incompatible. Um, you said that you were going to uninstall Saft. Well, I'd reached the point with Saft. Uh, Saft is a casualty of the Lion Safari update, as far as I'm concerned, because I've used it since 2006. It was one of the first 
things I put on Safari as, as a plugin because the bookmark management was a little lacking, I thought. And the other thing was I, I wanted to save sessions at the end where I wanted to open up a browser and it have um, the tabs that were there when I closed it. It also had very good crash protection. So for those three features alone, it did a lot more, but for those three features, I thought it, it was worth the price. I think initially it was around either $12 or £12. And then after that, you qualified for an upgrade, which was about half the price. So I'd the, the problem with it was it's a paid update every time there's a new operating system. Now, I don't particularly mind that. If the developer's developing, then it isn't, he can't live on thin air. The problem was it seemed with each new version of the operating system, the feature set was reducing. Um, and the reply was always the same if there was one. Um, if you if you looked at uh, MacUpdate.com, where the features were listed, next to it, in brackets, it would say, can't do on this operating system, this is no longer supported and stuff. So you're reading it thinking, there's no new features being added, but some of the old features aren't working anymore. And also, if you look at MacUpdate, you'll see that there is never any reply from the developer. So... Every time there is some sort of update, so a point update, maybe you've gone from 10.6.7 to 10.6.8, it's quite conceivable that Saft would break and you'd be waiting for an update. So you either couldn't update your system until Saft came out or your, you know, Safari wasn't working properly without Saft until he brought an update out. And I had reached the end of my patience with it as well. Now, it was easier for me to bin it because I've moved to Chrome as my main browser. But I have learned a lesson from that. Don't rely on any third-party applications unless absolutely necessary. Because obviously Chrome has this plugin structure and there's millions of amazing plugins out there. But before I will use a plugin, it has to be something that I completely trust uh, and the feature that it provides for me is something that I just cannot live without. Obviously, 1Password falls firmly into that category. Um, the other things that I have are probably the only one I couldn't live without is the Dev and Think conduit, where I can click a button and it will take a copy of the web page and send it to Dev and Think. The others I consider to be just niceties, and I only have three of those. Um, and that's really because of Saft, because I don't want to get into a position where I'm relying on something and then I can't update because of it. So, yes, I did say I was going to uninstall it because I'd reached the point where I don't want to see this anymore. Um, I did put some update on my system, which actually rolled back the Safari um, version that was on there. So mine wasn't actually complaining, but yours was. Yeah, in the end, I actually beat you to it. I actually deleted it, um, but it still kept coming up with this message. And I kept thinking, you know, it, it, the, the message was that Saft will not be loaded. This was every time I ran Safari. Saft will not be loaded because it, you know it's, it's incompatible with the current version of Safari. And I kept thinking, but I've uninstalled Saft. Well, what you did with it was you app zapped it. So yeah. at least app zapping it, you didn't just, because the way it works, it works as a plugin. So you can't just delete the app and it would be deleted. You've got to delete everything associated. So using app zap, app zapper was the way to go. But you'd overlooked one slight thing, which is that the way you had it installed and the way I had it installed, because it could be installed in different ways. You could use it as a launcher or you could install it as a plugin. So I had it installed as a plugin. That way I didn't have to 
it, it put one more step in, into using a browser. So we both had it installed as a symbol plugin. Despite app zapping it, a bundle had remained in the symbol folder, which you'll find at Macintosh HD or whatever your hard drive's called, library application support symbol plugins. And in there, there will be a file, saft.bundle. And just having that there, even though the application was no longer on your system, was enough to give you this constant error message saying it had been disabled due to incompatibility. And you're thinking, it isn't even there. But you have to delete saft.bundle from the plugin symbol folder. And then your problem solved. It went away, didn't it? It did. Thank you. Ah, I know, I'm so kind to you. I could have left you sat there without struggling. Mm. I'll think about that for next time. In recompense for that tin of fruit that was a year out of date. Anyway, we have today... We're going to go long, aren't we? They like it long. Yes. We have three software reviews. I know, we're spoiling you, but just so worth it. So first of all, there's one that I've mentioned, which is Scroll Reverser. Scroll Reverser has actually been around longer than um, I thought it had because I wasn't beta testing Lion. Actually, it feels like beta testing Lion now, and that's actually being released. So it's actually been around since March. Um, brought out as an application, so I'm assuming that people who were working with very early betas of, of Lion and then having to use Snow Leopard could have matching scrolling. So I thought it was an amazingly, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. It's simple um, and it gives you scrolling. Um, it will reverse your scrolling on Snow Leopard. So it makes your Snow Leopard machine behave like Lion. And it, that was all it did. It did a simple job and it did it well. Um, but then the developer extended it and now, just, just so clever, I read the release notes because um, it was quite a long release note and I thought, hmm, it's a, it does a simple job and it does it well, what, what are all these release notes? And one of the things that was on this release note was, now works with Lion. And I thought, hmm, so reverses the scrolling and now it works with Lion. And then I, I, have re I read the rest of it and I realised that rather than just reversing the scrolling, because obviously you wouldn't need that feature on Lion because... You either have the scrolling on or off. You need it reversing with a third-party app. But what the developer has done is added so much more control. He's extended the whole application. So now it also works with tablets, trackpads and mice. So you could have one device scrolling one way and one device scrolling another. Now, I did find when I was testing it that the trackpad was far more logical than I found the mouse. With the mouse, I wanted to scroll the old way. With the trackpad, I was preferred to scroll the new. So if you feel the same and you're on Lion, so you want the mouse to behave the old way, but you're happy for the trackpad to behave the new, then with Scroll Reverse, you can actually do it. You can change the up and down scroll, the left and right scroll, and you can change it for different devices. So for Lion, it's got such a more, much more granular level of control than you would get with anything else, to be honest. So I think that is a great application. I thought it was a great application before the new version came out. But when the new version came out, we had a problem with it. We were trying to install it on this old machine that can only take Snow Leopard. And it wouldn't install. It said it um, it couldn't be installed on this platform, I think was the term, wasn't I it? I think it was. And I and you were saying, well, maybe it's not supported being PowerPC. And I said, it's not a PowerPC. It's the first generation Intel. So I said, I'll bet it's something in the compiler that you have to put a tick in something in the compiler. So I said, 
worth trying the developer even though it's free you don't like to mither if something's free but you did email him and he was incredibly responsive i think he replied within 10 minutes didn't he yeah and i thought that was brilliant and he said you're quite right yep I need to recompile this. I need to put a tick in a box. And he recompiled it, and, and we were back up and running again within about 30 minutes, which was amazing. Unfortunately, when this one came out and we started testing it, we had a strange problem because we were using Apple Remote Desktop. Now, if you've not tried Apple Remote Desktop with reverse scrolling and scroll reverser installed, oh, it's great fun. Oh, this is difficult to explain. Oh, easier to show, difficult to explain. Right, when you're using Apple Remote Desktop, the remote machine will scroll the way your controlling machine does. So if you, you, you are not concerned, if you're supporting users, you're not concerned with whatever settings your users have got. It uses the controlling machine's settings. So everything was fine. But we also use these machines sat at them. So they really needed to have Scroll Reverser installed. So when we were sat at them, we had the same experience as when we were controlling them remotely and using other machines. That was where the fun started because the new, the old one was fine. The very simple version was fine, but the new version had a problem where it seemed to be, because it was running on both, uh, one and one did make two, and it reversed the scrolling again. So the scroll reverser and the scroll reverser running on the remote machine had this weird thing going on, nice alchemy, that uh, reversed it again. So then it ended up going the other way. That was very difficult to explain to the developer. I think you sat there for about 20 minutes trying to explain it, didn't you? Yeah, trying to work out what to put in the email. <laughs> exactly. But you did. And you got it, You got the message through to him. And he said, oh, right. So uh, we did a bit of testing. He sent a few, through some betas for testing. And he's managed to fix it with a terminal command. So public thank you very much for that because i couldn't use it without it now we've got machines that can't take lion so without scroll reverser we would be stuck really stuck so thank you very much for making the app and for making it free and for supporting it so very well it's good to see such wonderful support when you think about saft and you can't even get reply from the developer and i'm not buying it anymore so he's lost a customer there already so brilliant to see somebody with such great support because of that i literally because of that i thought what a wonderful developer i went to his site and i had a look at what else he developed it's called pilotmoon.com and I found a little application that he'd made called PopClip and I thought, ooh, what's this? And it adds iOS-like cut, copy and paste to OS X. Yes, Apple didn't go far enough with this iOSization business. I looked at it and I thought, hmm, would I use that? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to buy it whether I'm going to use it or not because the developer was so wonderful with Scroll Reverser. What it is, it adds a bubble that appears when you select something. So if you imagine that you're in your browser and you select a URL, you select it with your mouse and straight away, just above it, you get one of the bubbles, just like you get on iOS, that says cut, copy, paste. And you can just move your mouse up fractionally, hit the copy and you've copied it. When you go over to another application and you click, up pops another little bubble that says paste and you can just fractionally move your mouse and click. Now, pretty much I tend to use the shortcut keys for that. I wouldn't right click and select copy that way and then go and click and then right click and say paste. I tend to use shortcut keys on the keyboard. But I, I bought it. It is £2.49 from the App Store and obviously it automatically installed itself. 
and started to run itself as well. Actually, you don't really have to do much in the App Store, do you? And spend a fortune. Um, and it started working there. It was a bubbles appearing. I'm using it all the time. It's brilliant. There isn't much to configure. So really simple to use. You can configure four different sizes for the bubbles. So if you prefer smaller, you're fine. There are four sizes. I think I've got mine set to the smallest, so it's very unintrusive. Um, you control it with the configuration behind a menu bar icon. Now, at the moment, I'm finding I'm going to have to uh, resize my screen when I do my webinars. And I've got lots and lots and lots running on my menu bar. So I'm trying to cut down on the number of icons I have displayed. So I looked at the settings for PopClip and thought, hmm, another one in the menu at the top. Don't really need it. It's just something I want running. And if I want to make changes, I'm prepared to actually, you know, use LaunchBar to open the app and make the changes. Um, and I looked at it and you can actually hide the menu bar. All you've got to do is option click it. And I really appreciated that. Um, if I want to make changes to it in the configuration, the only configuration I'd be changing really is the size. Then I just use launch bar, type pop clip, run the app, make the change. That puts the icon back. And then I use the option click on the icon to lose the icon. It's so integrated and feels so natural. It's one of those Apple Mr. Trick here apps. Apple should have thought of it. So that is called Pop Clip from pilotmoon.com, the same people behind Scroll Reverser. Can't recommend it highly enough, actually. If you like that feature on your, I your iOS device, you're going to love it on your Mac. It really is very, very good. And that's from somebody who was thinking, I probably won't use this, but I'm going to support the developer and I'm using it all the time. So um, I told you about that and I think you've installed it as well, haven't I you? I have. Not had a chance to look at it yet, but as I was updating my machine yesterday, I installed it. Yeah, good. So that, that are my two reviews. Now onto something a little longer from you, I believe. Yeah, a few weeks ago, um, I think it was McJim mentioned in the uh, the show notes, in the comments, about SpringPad, because I think I'd been talking about um, Evernote or uh, well, one of the, the, the apps notes. One of the apps notes. One of the notes apps. <laughs> Can I say that again? No, 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 carry on. I'm okay. not editing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've been talking about one of the one of the uh, the notes apps, and uh, he mentioned SpringPad. So I've I've had a look at it, and I'll bring you my considered opinions. It is a notes app. I am uh, I am to notes apps to what you are to browsers. I think you are, and every time you say this has got this feature, Evernote put it in, so I have no problem with that. Yeah, I, I must stick with Evernote and get all the updates. I must admit, I'm going to give you this review, but I must admit, I am now sticking with Evernote um, <laughs> because it's improved and it's improved and it's improved. And um, Don't believe it, MacBite, as the first sign of a new Notes app and he'll be out testing it. I will be testing it, but I will probably stick with Evernote. No, no, you'll still be testing. Carry on. I don't, I don't think you can fragment your notes into lots of different places. I think you've got to stick with one. Um, you know, the, the stuff like uh, Penultimate and Notes Plus, they're, they're fine because you know, I can use those for note-taking in a, in a meeting and I can use those with my, uh, my stylus. And, uh, but, but something that I want to keep notes in permanently across multiple devices, it's got to be Evernote or something like that. But you might find the perfect note app. I might. SpringPad might be it. It you might. Don't I start might. a review saying I'm not going to use this. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm laying my cards on the table. You do that at the end. Okay. <laughs> um, it's free. It is free. It's it's browser based, so it runs on Windows, it runs on a Mac, it runs on iPad, iPhone, and Android. There is no desktop uh, app at the moment, and if you actually go on SpringPad's um, forum, there are a lot of people clamouring for a desktop app. Uh, but apparently you can use uh, what they call an offline mode in, in Chrome. So there is a kind of desktop app. And unfortunately, it doesn't support IE7. So um, there is a, a, a reason that I won't be able to use it at work, although I can use it on my, my iDevices. Creating an account is is very simple. You just go to spring, uh, springpad.com, enter in your email address and password, and you've got your account. When you first log in, you've got a single notebook, but you can create as many as you like, as many notebooks as you like. Um, so you can have them for, for all different purposes, like you could have a work notebook and a personal notebook and, and so on and so forth. Each notebook can contain notes, tasks, checklists, lots of other things. And the notes themselves, they can be rich text, they can have bold italics, bullet points, you can include links and images. For the images, you enter a URL link to the image and you don't actually upload the image itself. You have got a task list as well. Uh, you can have a title, a due date, give it a category. Um, you can modify uh, that list of headings. Uh, you've got description. You've got alerts to remind you when something is due. Uh, but again, if you're using something like OmniFocus, you don't want to fragment everything. I, I don't know if you feel that way. Um, I do. And I've, tr I've tried with notes apps. I've got my notes apps down to Evernote or Google Docs. Uh, I don't consider Google Docs just really a notes app, but I do have a lot of documents in there. So I have to make a decision as to where I would put something, whether it would be in Google Docs, whether it would be in Evernote. And I'm finding even that, just having the two, is difficult. Yeah. I, do, I don't want to have to refer to both of them. I don't want to have to sit there and think, did I put this in a document in Google Docs or did I put it in Evernote? Mm. So I, I completely agree with not fragmenting. And tasks too. People do tend to find OmniFocus quite sort of... Um, overpowering. Overpowering, yes. I know you struggle with it endlessly. So there's probably an appeal of something simple. You know, that you just have this nice little thing and you just put the task in and that's it. Yeah. So I can see it being appealing, but used in the right way. And if you persevere with OmniFocus, it only has to be as complicated as you choose to make it. Yeah. And you, having... you started looking at mine with all these perspectives and views that I had and you were overwhelmed. But if you just start with a single view and you just put a few tasks in, it's no more, complica more complicated than anything else. Yeah, and ha having used OmniFocus and got some stuff in there and got it all set up, I'm happy to, to keep it in there. Yeah, I don't see me putting tasks. I'd only lose them. Mm. I'd lose them. One nice feature it does have, and I'm talking about SpringPad here, not OmniFocus, is look it up where you can search for movies, restaurants, recipes, products, and, and lots of other things. Um, it's integrated with lots of data services. They call them partnerships. 
and that helps you to save things that you want to remember. So, um, for example, I uh, I typed in the Gumbe Dance Band, which is uh, <laughs> an old As Mac, you do an old MacVice favourite. And what it does is it displays the results in a tabbed dialog box. So it goes away and it looks at, at um, all these data services and it'll bring back products, it'll bring back places, it'll bring back movies, if there were any movies to do with the Gumbay Dance Band, recipes, books, albums, etc, etc. It's beginning to sound like Whiddle.com. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. Do you have a um, date with them as well? <laughs> So you select an album. So I typed in Good Bay Dance Band, selected an album, click Add to Notebook, and it adds it to the album section. And also, when you click the New Item button, you now get to add an album. So you, you can actually add a new album um, to, to your, your notebook. If you I'm thinking if anybody ever steals your iPad, they'll probably post it back to you. Knowing my music, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I never go on Ping. No, it would be so embarrassing. Mm. Is Ping still going? No idea. Carry on. Anyway. Um, yeah, if you search for a restaurant or a business, you can then select the location. And when you've selected one, it adds a place to the notebook and then includes the address and the phone number and, uh, and Google Maps. Links to Google, which is, is pretty handy. You can also share any of your items what it does is it generates a url which is just a, a random alphanumeric string and you can send it to specific people or you can share it via twitter facebook and other sites or you can just make it public so that anyone can find it on the web there are also um, extensions for chrome and firefox so you can save the current page as a bookmark and uh, that's saved within a notebook as well and on the mobile apps, you can add an audio note, you can add a photo, and you can also scan a barcode, but that doesn't appear to work in the UK. That'd be right. Mm. So when you say a barcode, do you mean like a barcode on a product? On a, a product, store? yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I didn't get that working. When you say, well, scan it, what would it do with it? What's the objective of, of scanning the barcode? It, does it put a note with a picture or a price or something like that i think it puts uh, i think it puts a price and i think it um it gives you alternatives oh right like red laser red laser yeah mm, okay yeah. then well i suppose it's got a lot of features evernote is lacking i don't know if you could add some of those features to evernote mm, i don't know maybe maybe in a, a roundabout way my problem is with apps like this if i test them then you tend to focus on all the features that the app has got and it's only when you start using it that you then think, mm, and then there's all the features that Evernote has yeah. and this one doesn't. And then it makes it more complicated to make your mind up because you'd have to retrofit everything that you do in Evernote and transfer the notes. Yeah, I think that's what I was doing. I was looking at the, the app. I was looking at all the features it's got and, and doing it from a review point of view rather than trying to do it from a, a practical I would use this point of view. It does, it does have some good features. But um, yeah, when 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 said and done, I think because because I was there with Evernote first, and and because I've got a lot of stuff in Evernote, I think I'm I'm gonna stick with that. But you I never wouldn't, know. I wouldn't object to changing, and I wouldn't object to transferring all the data, as long as like you do have to trust the service because you know if if it's 
if they shut up shop, like we're talking with software that's no longer available, then you'd only have to change again. So I I would be very, very careful. But I'd certainly be open-minded Yeah. Um, if it had features that I was really, really interested in. Then I probably would. Yeah. But without further ado, on to... Mac Love Bites. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> this week, it is Osrose and Osrose's Mac Love Bites. So... I shall hand over straight away to Oz Rose. G'day girls and boys, it's Rose from Hobart, a pretty little town on the edge of the known universe. I've just been noodling around with all things MacBitery, as you do, and came across the question, what tech do you love? I was bamboozled, nay, I was flummoxed. I simply could not pick a favourite, I love all my tech. And then I read further to the part that said it could be software. Now I don't know if this counts, but to this day I still find hyperlinks magic. Simply magic. So I thought I'd share. Is that weird? Could I be weirder than the other MacBiters? Now that's a rather large question which could be answered at a tweet up, maybe. But yeah, just thought I'd share my love for the ever magical hyperlinks. See you at the pub. I think that is a great choice. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I remember, I am old enough, sadly, to remember when the feature was actually added to WordPerfect and say they made a fuss about it was an understatement. And I remember being in the audience as they were presenting the concept that you could mark part of a document in WordPerfect with, um, I suppose it would be a bookmark, and you could then go to another part of that document and create a live link back to where you've put the bookmark. And there were people in the audience that just could not grasp the concept at all. There was other people who did, who were so excited that you could create. I mean, there was a lot of lawyers in the audience that had really long documents. The fact that you could create live clickable links in a document, they were giddy for hours. So. I think that's an excellent choice. There, there was life before hyperlinks. It just wasn't as much fun. And as for being weirder than other MacBiters, I don't think that's possible, do you? No, I can honestly say she's no weirder than you. You're like two tech bookends. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> I could get very concerned there. Anyway, on to feedback and comments. And yes, we heard from McJim the Real. We had the obligatory... Where are you comments? I, you know, I couldn't do without these, you know. I really couldn't do without these. Anyway, I'm going to say you really need to keep your ear to the ground, McJim, because next week you have a starring role. That'll give you something to think about. And I said the word, didn't I? I said next week. Mm. Oh! Well, we'll just have to see what we can manage, won't we? <laughs> we will. I, sh I should really say next time. But, but you have a starring role, McJim. So I shall leave you to um, cogitate on that all week. While we listen to the wonderful Jane with Ramgate 2, The Return, or not. Hi there, it's Jane in Perth, Western Australia. In episode 47 of MacBytes, way back in February, I told you the story of my failed attempt to upgrade my other half's iMac with an extra 4GB of RAM from Crucial in the USA. 
This 4GB of RAM had been added to an order for some RAM intended for the Mac Mini and was almost an afterthought. As you may remember, the whole episode involved intricate use of wooden kitchen implements or kitchenalia as Mike and Elaine called it in order to insert the extra RAM sticks into the iMac. All went well until the iMac decided that when it was required to do a restart, it would, for no apparent reason, reject the RAM. Anyway, if you want to hear the long, sordid details of the whole debacle, I suggest you re-listen to episode 47 of MacBytes. In that episode, I did promise to let you know how the story ended. The supplier of the RAM, Crucial, said they would replace the RAM, but if it was found not to be faulty, they would not refund the cost of my sending it back to Crucial in the USA. And so the tale ended with a whimper, really. The whimper being my accepting that I was not going to pay the return courier delivery costs back to Crucial. The whimper was also my accepting that I had wasted the sum of $45 spent on this homeless ram. The whimper was my placing this orphaned ram in the cupboard in the forlorn expectation that it may one day come in useful. But who am I kidding? It will forever fester in that cupboard, never to see the inside of another computer. But hey, it really doesn't matter. Because as you may remember, that iMac RAM was only purchased on a whim, and that RAM that went into the Mac Mini was working perfectly, and still is. The Mac Mini absolutely flies along with its 8GB, serving up movies, TV programs and downloads to the big screen TV. So there you go. Mac Mini needed the RAM. It got it. It works brilliantly. iMac didn't really need the extra RAM, didn't get it, and continues to work very happily with its standard 4GB in its low-demand lifestyle. But does the Mac gorgeousness stop there? No way. I gave up work a few months ago, so what do you say? Well, the need for the portability of my two-year-old 15-inch MacBook Pro was suddenly no longer required. And yes, that was my excuse to start thinking about an iMac for myself. Thunderbolt was on the horizon. My right forefinger was poised over the Buy Now button on the Apple Store. I waited and waited. Time slowed down in the way that it does when you're eight years old and waiting for Christmas Day to arrive. Eventually, a century later, Apple announced the upgraded iMac with Thunderbolt connection. I hit the Apple online store and ordered the 27-inch with 256GB solid-state drive, also with built-in 2TB hard disk drive, together with 8GB of RAM. I sat back and waited again as Apple decided they weren't going to ship the solid-state drive iMacs for another few weeks. Eons passed. Whole galaxies were created and destroyed in the time it took for my iMac to be dispatched. But eventually it arrived, a couple of weeks before Lion was released. Then Elaine, guru of the technosphere, said that to avoid stuck pixels on that beautiful screen, it was best to let the iMac stand for three years before using it. Okay, she said maybe four to six hours, possibly eight hours, I can't remember. But I decided to go along with it in the desire for a perfect pixel screen. And so later that day, I fired up the iMac and the solid state drive came to life. Oh boy, was it slickety quick. 
programs opened in superfast time and the desire for speed was fulfilled. Now, clearly, the downside to a 256GB solid-state drive is its small size when you consider an iTunes library of 107GB and an iPhoto library of 70 So those two files were palmed off onto the internal 2TB spinny hard disk drive. And this is where sometimes the spinning beach ball returns as I open iTunes or iPhoto and the machine waits for the hard drive to spin up. But that aside, the said iMac is super cool. I love it. And that is a good thing, because this has got to last me a long time. No swapping this out after two years. It's here for the long haul. And talking of long haul, I have a trip to the UK coming up soon. Yes, the 14,000 kilometre trek is looming up fast. So, of course, my mind turned to the tech gear that would accompany me and my husband on this trip. Previously, I have always travelled with the aforementioned 15-inch MacBook Pro. And before that, well, another 15-inch MacBook Pro of the non-unibody flavour. But this time I have the iPad, and surely this would suffice. I pondered the idea of taking the iPad. It alone, nothing else, just the iPad. No carting around the 15-inch lump of aluminium that is the MacBook Pro. I tossed the idea around for a week or so, but couldn't quite come to terms with being without the laptop for five weeks. And then Apple, as is their way, threw another factor into the ring. Yes, they announced the upgraded MacBook Air. The specifications were improved and the prices fell. At least here in Australia they did. I had been toying with the idea of selling my surplus-to-requirements MacBook Pro, and this was now the catalyst. A day or so later the deal was done. The MacBook Pro was gone and in its place I had a 13-inch MacBook Air with a 128GB solid-state drive and 4GB of RAM. It was a time of joyfulness for this particular bunny. And the Air is so much lighter than the MacBook Pro. And not surprisingly, a lot speedier too. And even better, this came with Lion pre-installed, so, touch wood, it has had none of the foibles displayed by the iMac after that was upgraded to Lion. So I will have the Air to accompany me on my travels, and the iPad will come along with us as well, of course. I have no doubt the MacBook Air will serve me well on my journey, as did its forebears, but it will do it with a little more style and a lot more speed. Farewell chaps and until next time, cheers everyone and I look forward to seeing a few of you on my travels next month. Yes? Jane's got new toys! Apparently the way to do it is to spend $45 on RAM and then when it doesn't work, buy a new 27 inch iMac! Oh, and a MacBook Air for good measure! Jane! Like your style? That works for me? It works for me? I don't think so. <sighs> Spoil sport. Mm. Anyway, Jane also said, uh, we made mention of Mayer and his starring role in the last episode, but Jane said, I tried listening for Mayer and I couldn't hear his bark. He needs a more prominent role in the show. Well, right now, he's sleeping. Peacefully. Thankfully. But earlier on, 
He recorded a little message for you, Jane. Doesn't that remind you of last week when we took him to friends and he was a total embarrassment for two hours? <laughs> yes. Yes, he barked incessantly and then fell asleep on the way home, bless him. Oh, he's so adorable. Well, that's it for this episode of Mac Bites, and as always, we would love to hear from you. So, questions, comments, queries by email to macbitesuk at gmail.com. Use the form on the website or send us an audio file. We've had two lovely ladies today. Could be your turn next time. And you can also leave a comment on the show notes. Follow McJim's lead at macbites.co.uk. You can also please keep sending in your Mac Love Bites. We would love to hear them. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. I worked so hard on Facebook. Although I did post something this morning and it disappeared. I think I'm back to the drawing board with Facebook, but there you go. That's me and my, my social networking suffering. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk where you get your sneaky peek, your exclusive sneaky peek behind the scenes at MacBytes. Follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. Oh, well done. Thank that you. was perfect this week. But until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. And only 11 minutes into the game. Have you got it on yet? No. Ah, overran slightly. Not to worry. Fergie time. Yes, but Fergie time's usually at the end of the game, not the beginning. True. I shall have to work on that. <laughs>